Dr. Hava Rose says that the journey to a higher quality of life does not stop with physical self-care. It takes a culmination of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing to create that higher vibration daily. Hava learned this after years of perfecting her physical care through exercise, diet, and preventative physical measure, such as chiropractic work. But when she hit a pivotal point in her life where she was left with nothing but those physical assets, she realized there was much greater work that had to be done in order to sustain a high quality of life. This is when the inner work began for Hava, the deprogramming and familiarizing with herself. She began reading empowering books, writing her every thought, and allowing space to feel emotions and watch them evolve. She realized how vital this process was and how so many people never get a chance to do this for themselves. Hava knew that in order to create a better world to live in, more individuals need to create a better internal environment. She has taken her patient and human care to the next level by infusing all of her own life lessons and assisting others in navigating their own. Through her physical chiropractic work, her nourishing meals made from love, her listening ear, her guided journal workshops and community, The Right Echo, and her thought-provoking words, she is able to reach deeper healing levels in those that surround her. Hava prides herself on being a light of reflection to others who are stuck in their own tunnel. She hopes to leave this world just a little brighter and with a whole lot more love for self, others, and Mother Earth. She is here to share a wealth of wisdom and self-care tips with us. Let's take a listen. All right. So I have with us here today, Dr. Hava Rose. How are you? I'm well, rising and and wishing it was a little bit warmer, but um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia spring. We're both here in Philadelphia and it is much colder than it should be this time of year, which is like really disheartening right now. (laughs) We're ready for spring. Um, But I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to Be The Good Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, So you're a practicing chiropractor, but you are truly offering your clients and communities so much more than just a typical chiropractic experience. Let's start with when you decided to become a chiropractor and what that journey looked like for you. Yes, this is a question I'm often asked in interviews. And for me, I'm like, this isn't that exciting of a story, but I'll tell it. (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, I I felt pressurized to go to school for as long as possible. Um, And so in undergrad, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I was an athlete for most of my life to some degree. So I also loved that atmosphere and thought, oh, it'd be fun to work with athletes. So that's kind of what created the trajectory of like something in the realm of um, sports medicine, physical therapy, all these things. And I actually grew up, my mom's one of her dearest friends is a chiropractor. And I mean, as a kid, we, it was fun for us. Like, can you pop me? You know? So like she and I were in a space in that time frame of me trying to figure it out or thinking I was going to go that route. And she just mentioned, have you ever thought about chiropractic work? And you could create your own practice to be like towards athletes and et cetera. So I looked into it and the, the, the very uneventful reason I chose it in the end was there was no test I had to take. <laughs> uh, um, I just had to like send in and you had to have certain credits um, and you just need a letter of recommendation, which was easy enough. No test. I was like, this is easy. I might as well. I, I, this makes my decision easy. So <laughs> 
for me, a decision-making is always something I've struggled with. So (laughs) that's how I, that's honestly how I ended up in chiropractic school. And then in school, learning the philosophy that it's one of the biggest things is more of a preventative aim of medicine. It's not about symptom, it symptom masking. It's much more about getting to the root of issues, which most of them deem from the spine, um, being that our nervous system is in that, in that portal of the uh, spinal canal. So for me, the philosophy made sense. And it started to make sense while I was in school. Like, oh, this is why I never like wanted to take medicine. I like naturally was like, I don't want medicine. I don't want to go to the hospitals. I don't want to, you know, all these things. So um, that's how I ended up being a chiropractor though. It's really just, it was a matter of circumstance and easy (laughs) decision-making. I love, I love your honesty around all of that, because I think that many people step into their career path in that same way of like, well, this just feels like, you know, I have enough interest in it yeah, and it's not going to be too challenging. (laughs) Um, I totally get why you, why you would go that way. And it's awesome hearing that, I think now knowing what you've turned it into. So as I mentioned, you're truly offering your clientele and your community, a more holistic approach to their wellness and care. So you say that the journey to a higher quality of life does not stop with physical self-care. Mm. It takes a culmination of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing to create that higher vibration daily. I love this. So can you tell us <laughs> what in your own personal experience led you to that type of approach and why you feel it's so beneficial to approach our self-care in that multifaceted type of way? Yeah. Um, thank you for reading that. Sometimes when you hear your own words back to you, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> it could be powerful to hear your own yeah. words back for sure. Um, but to I think there's multiple reasons that led me to that whole scale approach. And one of them I think actually is like the um the the like the hypocrisy of being an athlete my whole life um so i was a gymnast as a child and i did, i did compete and then in in college and college not college high school i became a cheerleader because i had these gymnastics moves and dance moves you know and then after college because i didn't really do much athletically in college i started to get back into you know working out and ensuing into a lot of competitions that were all sorts of athletic endeavors And I think because one of the things is so much of the emphasis I remember as an athlete was about diet. Um, Gymnastics was, you know, I was kind of weaning out when it got to be more serious, but you know, the, the coaches were like old school from Soviet union. And like, that was their life. And, you know, there were comments about body image, you know, kind of things, but it was, you know, cause you had to be a certain size in gymnastics and, and then I did bodybuilding, which also was a whole body image thing. And I did Muay Thai, which included cutting weight. And so a lot of a lot of what I was brought into in the physical light had to do so much with like creating a certain form for whatever it is you're doing. Um, and after years of doing so many things to my body to put it in the physical shape it needed to be in, and self-care I needed for whatever I was using my body for. Um, I had a burnout, uh, adrenal fatigue burnout. So my body shut down. And I think that's really where a lot of the, the like hypocrisy of physical care, right. I was like doing, it looked like I was so healthy, so fit. So all these things in ever and any of those sports. And in reality, I was like doing a lot of harm physically to my body. Um, for my specific needs and and hormonal support and all these things. So that's when I started to realize that like, 
okay, first of all, the, the physical care that so many of us believe to be healthy is an image that so many people need to <laughs> need to understand that sometimes these images are not healthy at all. And with that came a lot of mental stress and like overthinking about the foods I was taking in and constantly like my mental space was constantly on something that was pretty um, unsupportive to my well-being. Um, and so this is when I started this year I had where I burnt out and wasn't working out and gained a, a handful handful of pounds in my body trying to recoup probably years of what I was depriving it. Um, I started to see things a little bit cloudy, um, a little bit shook, and it started to make me dig into myself a lot more. And so I started to play into what is mental health? What is emotional health? All these things that tapped into those uh, elements of whole care and whole well-being much more. So that was like one of the biggest things for me that was like, oh, this is a total whole well-being thing that we're completely missing the mark on. Um, it's not a one mark. Um, you physically have health and therefore you're healthy. Like that's not it. And then also it's like questioning and curiosities of like, who is saying what is healthy? Who is saying what is, what, what marks to be a physical health test or a a mental health check? And like, who is, who is naming what these things are also and allowing that to be a space for me to create what made sense for me in that time. And then understanding that so many of us are trying to portray mental, physical, emotional well-being based on other people, which is, of course, is some of the way you learn, right? Is like seeing what's going on, but allowing that to be an exploration instead of a like concrete answer is like also a piece of what I'm also trying to share. Like this is, this is a version, try it on. You have to see what works for you. Um, So that was probably the biggest reason why I started to do this whole scale exploration was actually like the identity loss and like, I'm not an athlete and like, this is what was going on for years. And now I'm here and I don't know who I am anymore. And I realized so much of what was going on was actually not good for me. So (laughs) I think it's really interesting and important that you point out this kind of disconnect in the health culture, you know, of like how we all are perceiving what is healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely walked that path myself too. Like in my early twenties, I realized that like I needed to take my health seriously, but what it did was kind of spun me into this like intense focus on my physical well-being. You know, I was really conscious of eating organic and doing these workouts and like making myself physically look and feel as good as I could. But in doing that, you're kind of ignoring the fact that there's some sort of like psychological thing going on there too. And that you're, um, you know, it took me a couple of years to grasp that because then I started to do meditation as well. And I think meditation and that whole side of looking at my inner self helped mm-hmm. me realize like, oh, there's something driving that like need that the strong desire to look physically perfect or mm-hmm. to be eating perfectly. Right. But we're surrounded by so much information that make and (laughs) images that make you feel like, oh, well, if I want to do the right thing, like this is what I need to do. Um, so I love that you, you speak to like your own honest experience and that you're now showing up in a way that's really helping other people 
uh, to see that whole approach of like, this needs to kind of be mind, body, spirit. It, it really can't just be that we focus entirely on one of those aspects. Yeah. And so part of your care umbrella includes journaling workshops via mm-hmm. your Right Echo community. Can you tell us more about the Right Echo, how that came to be, and what's your greatest intention in facilitating these workshops? Yes. So the Right Echo has been like a gift to me in my own journey. So thank you to the community. Um, <laughs> it's been about three years in the making. Um, and it started kind of just off the cusp of, I was looking to host. I used to have an event, um, company that was focused around plant-based foods and that had ended and I was missing the element of hosting and eventing and all these things. And so journaling is something I've always done. It's not like, it's just like, I love to write. I used to be song lyrics, sometimes poetry. It was kind of like mishmash, whatever. Um, and since I was probably like 13, 14 and even younger, I would like, like to write stories. Right. So, um, journaling was, is something I know like very well for myself. And it was something I felt comfortable kind of experiencing with other people and sharing. And so due to a friend that was also staying with me, who's also a writer and an avid writer, we were, you know, like she also has done yoga events and all these kinds of, I was like, you want to do something at the house before you leave, we can do a co-event kind of just like have people. And so we did. And, and the food was a part of it. Cause I had already had that experience. So I, you know, I'll do the food. We can co-facilitate the journaling work. And, and it was, just kind of an idea that we were rolling with. It was like off the excitement of doing an event. And I was living in a bigger home at that point and had enough space to host <laughs> a lot of people. And it turned out, I think 30, 33 people, something, something around that range was the first. And we both are networkers and connectors. And so like we have community, like aside from it being a specific one. Um, so it was a, it was a blast. And I was like, this has to keep going. Like the immediate response like within the workshop from people and just seeing a room of people that maybe all look so different and to see the, the cohesion that was happening and the space that people were opening to each other to receive what they were feeling or wrote about and all this vulnerability. And I was like, this has to keep happening. So she left, but I can, (laughs) she was only there for a little bit. So I continued and I started to host them monthly these guided journaling workshops with a meal after that we all broke bread and kind of like filled our bodies with all these wounds. We just opened up with like high vibrational plant-based foods and, you know, comfort eating to a health and to a healthy level. Um, and yeah, it just continued. It was a once a month gathering. And then at some point I switched to doing twice a month. So we had a full on meal and then a snack one. So, so a lesser ticket price if people were like not able to make the full meal. And then uh, the pandemic hit right after we did our first, I decided to do a full on retreat out of it. So that expanded what, what, not just journaling, but other things that you can do to process. And then the pandemic hit and I felt uh, obligated to some degree to go virtual. Um, But I was really resistant about it. I was like, these these things are like in-person energy work. And that was just like, but thankfully I did go virtual. I got a little more comfortable with the Zoom and how to facilitate virtually. And it was really powerful because that was also just 
what was it? I think April, I kicked off the virtual and we had like kind of themed each month. So it was more regular. It was weekly and it was powerful because it also carried us through the summer when all the BLM protests and all that stuff was going on. So I'm very happy I pushed and got comfortable with Zoom and all these things. And we've continued on. Um, We've had two retreats since. Uh, We had a 2021 fall retreat, a 2022 winter retreat here in Philly. And we had just had our first in-person, like single workshop this couple weeks ago in April. And we have planned out the rest of the year, monthly workshops in real time with a virtual component. So it's a really, it's an inspiring community because people, you know, I never know who's coming and it's always such a beautiful mix of souls that, you know, you know, they come in as strangers and they leave like feeling more connected to themselves and each other. And then the hope is that that ripples out to their own, to their communities that like that sense of connection is really powerful and a a sense of having a understanding of maybe there's not a specific space, but there's a way to process. So having processing space, um, that's like my ultimate, like, I just want, yeah, creating the space to process is really important for me. Um, so, I mean, I am so intrigued by it, uh, and I haven't gotten to take one yet and I was hoping to come to the last one, but I'm going to definitely come soon. But when I, what I loved is when I saw, uh, you know, I think I saw an Instagram post about it and I've also journaled my whole life. That has been my form of therapy, my entire life. And, Mm. um, you know, I was encouraged by my mom to write and my dad, um, pretty young. So it just was a normal thing. Like my mom Mm. would say, if you're feeling like angry or disappointed or, you know, any of these negative emotions, take it to the paper, write it out. crush it up and throw it in the trash can. Like it's just about getting it out of your body. Mm -hmm. And now as an adult and having done so much of this work myself, now I am kind of amazed that my mom did that back then, you know, like that she had, that she had the tools and knowledge to, to guide me in that way. Um, but I'm also so grateful because now it's become just this like major tool in my life and I'm constantly encouraging other people to do it. But when I saw your post about these workshops, I was so lit up about it because I'm like, I've never seen people do this together. You know, journaling is such a personal practice and I've always enjoyed that about it um, because, you know, it's a private thing. However, I can see that there's probably so much energetic power Mm. in doing that in a shared way. And Mm -hmm. that was actually going to be my next question for you, because we talk a lot about community on this podcast and you touched on this a little bit, but maybe can you speak to the importance of community as a healing modality and offer up any tips or suggestions on how to tap into or create community that will support Mm. your overall healing like this? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. Um, And to, I had created a tagline initially. I like, well, I dropped a tagline, but it, <laughs> it used to be finding individuality in unity. And that was kind of like the idea of, I think you would know this as a journaler and many people probably experience this to some degree, but sometimes journaling alone can be really scary for people. Yeah. And if you think about the world, a lot of people are not always so open to the idea of really being alone. Um, in like 
and allowing solitude and allowing things to come up and working with themselves through it. So part of the excitement and, and medicine of journaling and community is that like, you're also like everyone around you is doing it. So it gives you this like kind of support and like, all right, well, fuck it. Let me, I'm sorry. It's okay. Totally, totally okay. Um, <laughs> Anything goes it happens, here. <laughs> it happens often. Um, but, you know, people look around and everyone's head down in their journal. And then there's also an element that we get to, sh- there's this time and space to share if people feel called. And I think when people start to hear the vulnerability that's coming up, it's, it's an encouragement and empowerment for them to actually take this moment and this workshop and this time to actually just dig. So some of that is just the idea that there's like this support in your in your unfolding, right? And which some people won't allow when they're by themselves or allowed to get as deep as it might um, otherwise. And the the cool thing about community, this is like also a book I've just read. It's unreal. Highly recommend if you're if you're looking um just to any community, like kind of exploring the idea of community, finding your community. Um, Mia Bird's song, How We Show Up, I was recommended to me. Um, but it was funny because reading it, I was like, oh, these are the things I've always preached <laughs> in like the right echo. But this power of you really it's hard to find community and to really connect with a community when you're not connected to yourself. And so the workshops, it's like a twofold. It's like you get the opportunity to have a space where there's people that might be your community. But the real thing is like you're allowing yourself to understand and allow perception to shift and all these things. So my philosophy with community is like you can only connect as deeply as you allow yourself to connect to yourself. And once you're able to understand yourself and with with understanding comes like, an expansion, I, you know, I believe, and it allows you to like, now I understand this, but I can also see a different angle or allow new perception because I understand it. But if you're not understanding it, it's hard to see other angles um, or, or, or new perspective and all these things. So once you're starting to really dig and understand yourself, you're able to also show up for yourself and like speak your truth and know what you believe in and know your values and all these things. Right. So when you show up in a space where there's a community or a group of people, you're not falling into it and like just taking on what's going on in there and getting lost in it. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a relationship, you know, the, the idea that I think a lot of us have been in and through relationships where you kind of become a shell of a person because you're so conforming or so I'm obviously speaking, speaking from past experience, but I think a lot of us have experienced that idea of like losing yourself in someone. And similarly, you can lose yourself in, in the group you're trying to be a part of or trying to create if you're not certain of who you are. But once you show up in your truth, in your strength, in your power, you're able to speak in the space and I know what you stand for and, and understand if it, are these people for me? Is it, are these people for me? What, who are the people I want to be with? Like that starts to bring to awareness. Like who is it that you also want your community to be? And then you're easy. It's easier to connect to those people and find those people and be with those people. So one thing in shaping and shifting community, I think is the biggest thing for me and my philosophy is, really just connecting to who you are first and understanding once you do that, the people you need and want to align with, it's going to be like butter. Like you'll, you'll find the community much easier. Um, But also, you know, there's an opportunity for you to explore people and like 
absolutely learn other people's perspective and maybe some of them fold into yours, but, um, connecting to yourself and how deeply you're able to do so and how deeply you're able to understand yourself is a teller of how deeply you can connect to other people and understand other, other people. It's such incredible advice. I I think you're so, so spot on there. It gave me chills as you were saying that, Mm -hmm. um, because I think that we, we miss that piece a lot of times, like you said, like when you're so busy looking outside yourself to figure out what, what you can do to make yourself feel right inside by arranging your out, your outer world in such a way, right. Yeah. That will some, and, and assuming and expecting that that will somehow, once you get it just right, it's going to make you feel good inside. But the truth is the opposite yeah. is, is the way it works that you have to get you right first. And then I love how you said, then it starts to attract the right community to you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you really get right about that. So I'm so grateful you broke that down for us in that way, (laughs) in that really honest and authentic and inspirational way. How would you rate the importance of mindfulness and meditation regarding healing and our overall health? Um, it's like a scale, like one well, to 10. I guess just would you say like, cause it, I think what I have found is that like, I talk a lot about meditation personally, because mm-hmm. I have found that to be my healing modality like, okay. in conjunction with journaling. Right. So when I yeah. journal and you expose these wounds or when I do any sort of personal inner growth or spiritual work and you're exposing some like yucky stuff, like meditation, I then turn to meditation to kind of heal me after the fact, okay. but I don't know that meditation is something that works for everybody or is, you know, how yeah. do you feel about that in terms of like making mindfulness and meditation a part of the practice? Yeah. Um, you know, if you could speak to that. Yeah. So I love meditation. I love, hate it. Right. Um, <laughs> I think meditation is really powerful in its practice to just allow space to be with yourself. Um, and I think it's more important just in the, in the premise of the busy world we live in, how noise, like how we talked about it. There's so much out there. There's so much information. There's so much noise. There's so much technology. I think meditation is really powerful to just like settle into yourself and like turn down the volume, like turn off the volume outside of you just for even like five minutes a day. I think that's really powerful just to help like ground yourself, settle yourself, quiet yourself. Um, So I think, I think specifically in the world we live in, meditation is super important now more than ever, just to allow the quiet and to shut out the noise. That's my, that's my, I like, I try the, my, I have to do it in a habit way because if not, like I'm not doing it, um, in a sit down form. So it's like my, my morning routine. It's like, wake up, slowly get up. And then I leave, I generally will leave the room and come somewhere in a specific area that I meditate. And it's like usually a 10 to 12 minute meditation for me. And I, if you had struggle, I will shout out to insight timer. Cause there's a bajillion types of guided uh, meditation there. Some of them are just music too. So you don't necessarily have to hear someone. So that helps me. Um, But I think mindfulness is actually more in this is again, my philosophy. I feel mindfulness separate from meditation. So in my world, meditation is more of this designated timeline, timeframe, you know, set a timer, whatever that you're sitting 
maybe you're being mindful, but it it's it's in a moment of stillness, physical and and the best mental, right? Mindfulness for me is like a way of living. Um, so in my world, mindfulness is like really just being present in your moments and being aware of what's going on around you and and surrounding you as as much as you can. And I think that is actually probably one of the most healing things um, for anyone. Uh, And again, it does have to do with the world we live in. We are often living in past regret or living in future anxiety. And when you're mindful, there's not room for that stuff. And that eliminates so much potential of infiltration of overwhelming thoughts, anxious thoughts, um, ruminating on things that you can't change you know, in and not in the healing form. So I, I believe mindfulness is really powerful to the healing journey because it also, it keeps you present in your, in your net here and now and the here and now that you're not going to get back. And it allows, if you're really practicing it, it can bring a lot of awareness that like you might not have had before. Um, and I think just having awareness allows, you know, like gems to drop down to you and like realizations of like, Oh, oh, this is like something that happened because of this instead of ruminating in the past um, or like projecting into the future. That's not here yet. So with the meditation, though, that's an opportunity for you to do maybe um, either stillness, not paying attention to your thoughts at all, or allowing that stillness to calmly come into the past or the or the future. And like dream up the future, not, not create, um, uh, what's the word I want to like, um, I can't think of the word right now. Like not in an anxiety is yeah, an not anxiety a, like, producing ex- way where you're like expectations or something. Yeah. yeah. Like an expectation, like not an overwhelm, but like, what could it be? Not an expectation, but an exploration. And in the past being able to like see the patterns and like, see where the shifts needs to be made instead of being like in regret and like, remorse of like, well, why? And what did I do? Or what did they do? And so I think meditation can be really powerful in that, um, along with other things, but I do feel like mindfulness is like really powerful for anyone going through healing journey. Um, cause healing, the healing journey can be, it's it should be never ending ultimately. Right. But it can be really hard to get out of a, of a Valley in a, in healing journey. We, we want to get to the mountain top, Right. A lot of a lot of us will experience that we linger in this valley for can be excessively long and, and unnecessarily sometimes. But I do think mindfulness helps you like in that the consistent and constant slow build to the mountaintop, keeping you in that present. So yeah, I couldn't <laughs> agree with you more. I think mindfulness has been one of the biggest game changers in my day-to-day life is practicing present moment awareness. And really just like trying to find some sort of mantra or something that will lock me into the moment when, cause we all have that, I think, natural um, predisposition to either look to the past or look to the future. And we're so, I don't know, uncomfortable with being in the moment with ourselves, you know? And I don't know if yeah. it's just that we've been cultured, trained to act that way, or if it's like something physiological or whatever, mm. but That's just, um, that has been the one thing that I have found is if I can say to myself, like, you know, if I feel myself going one way or the other towards the past or towards the future, I just say to myself, like, 
you're here right now. Yeah. You're here right now. It's and powerful. It is. It can kind of just shift your mindset in an yeah. instant when you choose to pay attention to right now. And just like you said, it, it can open up so much space for you Yeah, um, to see things differently. When you're caught in that cycle of the past or the future or just overthinking everything, mm-hmm. there's no room for like a, a vantage point, you know, like there's no. There's no room to see anything any differently other than yeah. I'm stuck in this mess of my thoughts. Yeah. And I would say like for anyone that's struck, cause I know so many people struggle with mindfulness and being yes. like, well, there's like, da-da-da. I was like, I want to like share, just like make it a game. Like you're a mom. Like you have so many, like for you, you're, it's not just your relationship, your business, your, your health. It's like also other lives. So, but like, if you make it a game and like, feel like you're being pulled, like, look at these, like having the children. Oh, it's a challenge. Like it's universe challenging me to like, make sure I'm ready to be mindful and present and like make it a game make it more playful than like an, another overwhelm. Right. Cause I know that like, it can become like this other overwhelm for people to try to be present. But if you're able to look at it as like, this is life, like testing you and, and it's in a fun way, like challenging you, like, let's see how present you can actually be. Um, it could be like lighter, like it doesn't have to be heavy stuff, right? It doesn't have to be like, I love that. I think, has to be heavy. I think I needed to hear that. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so like your kids, you are, your kids are like challenged. They're like playing you to see, like, let's see how present mom can be. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and when you're pulled in a million different directions, being a mom or not, I mean, I think people often feel like there's so many things pu- pulling on them, tugging on them. Oh yeah. Um, that that's such a great way to look at it, to kind of see it in a more playful way, because your natural reaction is to to feel like, why is everything pulling at me? This feels right. so overwhelming. Can I share a, a really brief story? Sure. Too? Of course. Um, I do think a lot of the thoughts that we are ruminating in or like projecting into, it definitely is cultural. It definitely is the busy of the world we live in and, and the exposure we have to social media and seeing everything that's going on. And like, I want to do this and they're doing this and I want to do that, the comparison mindset. And I know that the first time this happened to me, it was like really hard, but I went to Guatemala This is some years ago for a trip and a piece of the trip, I stayed off grid. So like there wasn't Wi-Fi there, Um, you know, we got like the lights were out once the solar panel, like once the sundown, the lights were out. Um, There was hot water thanks to the solar panel. But again, don't take a shower at night. It's not hot water then. Um, But the, the first two days I was there, it was I was overwhelmed with anxiety because like I didn't know what to do. Um, I was like, okay, well, what should I do? And like, I've already journaled. I listened to a podcast and I realized how much of that built up mental stimulation and energy is, is from the culture we live in. And once about two days passed, I was able to just lay in a hammock all day. And you start to recognize and realize when you travel specifically to countries that are, um, I don't like the word third world, but like not as, um, tech heavy as ours is, um, you start to see how simple people live and how like they're just doing their day and they're not thinking about so much into the future. It's actually like, well, what's the meal? What, how am I going to get food today? And like, that's it. And like, and you start to see how, how easy it can be to live that way. It's just hard in our society. 
to do so. But it's it most a lot of the world lives a very simple life, very mindful life. And it's like it's easy. It doesn't have to be complicated. I love but, that story because yeah, it's it's a, such a great um indicator of the world that we live in right now. And that it's easy for us to think that this is all that exists, like that this is how everybody lives their life is in this yeah. hustle culture. Um, but to, how beautiful is that to be removed from it? I mean, when you said you late, you got comfortable laying in a hammock all day, I literally like my shoulders dropped. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh gosh, yes, that sounds amazing. Like the idea of just taking a few hours and like relaxing, uh, we don't give ourselves the permission to do that enough, Mm-mm. um, because we feel like we're going to, it's like the FOMO, you know, like you're going to, you're going to miss something <laughs> if you're not moving and doing something. And like, I, I struggle with that all the time, but I have, I think when we talk about self-care, it's so important to acknowledge the fact that a major component of self-care is carving out some time mm-hmm. for quiet and carving yeah. out that time. Like you said, mindfulness, meditation, uh, even if it is just sitting in a hammock for an hour, you know, yeah. or, you know, just sitting outside in nature for a half hour, like mm-hmm. just making the intention to yeah. create that space for yourself is so powerful. Yeah. And the, the next thing I wanted to ask you about, um, was we talk a lot about compassion on this mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, it's just a favorite topic of mine and I find that the listeners enjoy it too. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing with us your own definition of self-compassion and how valuable or necessary you think that is to our overall wellness. It is essential. Um, <laughs> self-compassion. Um Definitely crucial and essential for a healing journey for wellness and health and well-being. Um, the easier you are on yourself, <laughs> this is like self-compassion to me is something, the word ease is, is a piece of that. And the easier you are on yourself, um, the easier you allow other people to be on you. Um, and you don't, you don't feel like you have to fill shoes. You don't have to fulfill expectations. And that, I mean, that in itself, stress is like one of the biggest components of the deterioration of health of all forms. And so if you're able to create a stress free, I mean, it won't be stressing, but if you're able (laughs) to get to a um, place with much more ease and much less stress, you just are going to embody health all over. Um, so like scientifically, right. Stress like does all the nasty things and like spikes our cortisol, which can affect, you know, physically it tears your body down over time. And, um, self-compassion is to me is the opposite of stress. Um, it is the way to embrace, um, and let be, and not to, I don't want to say the word overanalyze, but to just see things as they are and allow them to be that and take the opportunity to either get more curious about them and dig in or let them go. Like it is what it is, let it go. And so for me, yeah, self-compassion and stress are like one and the same or stress-free, sorry, stress less, less stress. I don't want to say stress-free because that's like, near I know impossible. it seems impossible, but it, it's not impossible to have less stress, I think. Right. And I think that's, I don't want to speak yes. for you, but like, that's the point you're making here. Yeah, is that yeah. Like it's not, it's, the stress isn't going to go away, but right. you can take steps and be mindful about trying to reduce your stress. Yes. It could dramatically over overall 
positively impact your wellness. Yeah. Cause I, I do believe much of our stress, if not almost all of it, I mean, let's take out environment, right? Let's take environmental factor stress, but pretty much, I don't know. I will say 93% of the stress is self-induced. Yeah. It's our own thoughts ruminating. It's allowing other people to create these expectations for us that like, you know, we're like, if you're able to, I mean, take responsibility. Yes. But like, if you're able to show up with a form on being of like, I'm here as myself, I embrace that other people have experiences around me, but they're not mine. And I'm here to be exploring life and creating a healing journey. So let it be. And this is actually something I want to get curious about. So I'm going to look more into that, or this is something that's, I see it. It is what it is. And I'm allow that to be. And I mean, loving on yourself is definitely a piece of that self-compassion for me, like making sure you're telling yourself, but again, this has to all do with the stress of like negative self-talk and all this. If you're able to like see yourself for who you are and like, you're a gift, you're, you're in this lifetime, you're in this vessel, like not everyone. I mean, this doesn't happen all the time, right? Like we're conscious beings in a vessel. Like, this is great. I get a physical place to be for this lifetime. It's kind of dope. Um, <laughs> just embrace that. Um, that would definitely be a piece of my self-compassion Ted talk. So <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love all yeah. that. You have dropped some major, like truth, wisdom bombs here so far. And I oh. really appreciate it because this is why I wanted to have you on because be the good is really, it's about people doing things intentionally to like raise the level of goodness mm. in our world. Right. Mm. And I think that the fact that you took your own experience, um, your own personal growth experience and decided to package it in a way that will spring forward more healing and growth for other people Mm-hmm. is powerful and you're adding so much goodness to the world around you by choosing to show up in that way. Like you said, like we've been given, this is how I look at it too. When I do the podcast or I run a nonprofit, all the things that I do, I'm not doing that to say, wow, look at all the, the good things I do. Right. It's more so because I really get deep fulfillment and satisfaction of knowing that with this one life, in this vessel I've been given, mm-hmm. I am doing the most I can with it to like shift the energy in a positive way. Mm. Um, and I really think that you're doing a lot of that too. And so I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that with us. Mm, thank and you. I want to know what's your greatest overall hope or intention for the work that you do since we're speaking about that? Like, what yeah. do you hope to accomplish or inspire in others the most? Um, absolutely. Like I think I mentioned earlier, just this possibility of processing, like you can process through things and create great shift in your own life. Um, but also understanding that there are spaces and places that are safe to process and allowing, and, you know, giving tools of journaling post-workshop, right. That you've learned a tool. So maybe you're not in workshop space again, but at least you have access to something to help you process, to create shift in your own world, which ripples out, right. It ripples out to community and the people you're connected to. I love that. And I think that just having the conversation about process is so valuable Mm -hmm. because I feel like this wasn't something that got talked about that much until like the past decade or so, you know, where people were, maybe people were doing these type of things and using these type of tools, but they weren't sharing it or talking about it. And that's what I think is so valuable about your right echo workshop and you're bringing it out there. Like this does not need to be some like 
thing you go through on your own or something that you do completely by yourself, like we can talk about the fact that this is something we're all going through in our own different ways. And let's, let's talk about how we process our own unique trauma, pain, or difficulties. And Mm -hmm. then, and then how do we heal together too? Like it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, My last question for you is I want to talk about your book. (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk about that. So it's titled daydreams, delusions, disconnections. How did that come to be? And and, and where can we find that? Um, So it's on my website only. Um, okay. Dr. Um, in, in short, it's a poetry book, but it's actually deeper than that. But that's how I would, how I would categorize it. Yeah. Um, it is a book of journal entries from my own journals that I've kept all my journals through my years of journaling. And for, for some years, um, this idea of, I would love to publish my words as I got more comfortable sharing them and, I thought, what a cool idea to like go through all my journal entries, all my journals (laughs) and kind of categorize them to what I ever deemed them to be categorized as and publish it. And I had this idea of um, doing a trilogy of them. And so there'd be three books that were like of the journal. So poetry-esque. So that's how it's poetry. But um, as it had been some years that there was an idea brewing. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, you know what? Like, if I want this to happen, I have to make it happen. <laughs> I had already pulled and categorized all the journal entries. And I took that quiet the quiet in the beginning of the pandemic um, to kind of research and see how to self-publish. And I did. And I recruited um, an old roommate who's an artist, both musician and uh, paint. And she does a lot of art form. But um she was open to doing the cover for me and we lived together. So she really knew me, someone I be- I knew, like understood the vision. And then I reached out to another sister to uh, see if she'd be open to sharing some of her photography to give a little visual depiction kind of throughout. And she was like, yeah. So in the year of the pandemic, I self-published um, this dream that was about three years old. And that is Daydreams, Delusions, Disconnections. I love it. Yeah. And it's just, it was, it's hard because you're like, oh, this is like some of these writings are, I was thinking one of them was like, I was in eighth grade, maybe I was, I was like, so some of them you're like, I mean, I definitely don't think the way I thought there, like I'm definitely in a different space, but I'm like, but this is like a, for me, it was a powerful, they're powerful moments. Some of these, you know, writings and, and whether they translate now to who I am or not, it's a piece of who I was. So, um, yeah, it was exciting. It was exhilarating. And then I was like very nervous about people actually having like essentially words that were never meant to be published, published. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so brave of you to put yeah. it out there. But I think that it seems like in, in much of what you do, you're, you offer these things up as a form of healing for other people or if, as a form of uh, maybe just kind of giving somebody that nudge towards healing or giving yeah. somebody a you know, just a a roadmap kind of to see like, this is what I went through. And even if that, you know, who you were in eighth grade is not here, who you are now, you can probably see that um, in the writing, I would imagine. Yeah. And it's just a piece of connection, right? A point of connection. And for me, it was also for, I think it it was about two years or one year, the years of the I know the the pandemic. I guess I guess it had been, yeah, I guess it had been about a year of the workshopping. And so for me, it was like, 
for so long, I didn't share my words. It was just a personal for me and being in these workshops where everyone's sharing. And then I started to share in those spaces, like an excerpt or something. And so for me, it was also my way to like be a part of the community. Cause like generally I'm not journaling in these workshops. I'm just facilitating and allowing the space for people. And then I usually will read maybe something, whether it's my own or from a book, you know, but it was also an opportunity for me to like reflect like the power of these workshops for me as well. Like this, it empowered me to like share my words all the way. And um, yeah, it's just like, and it's just a place like you never know, like you never know what you read, how it's going to sit with you or how you connect to someone else's words. So it's just like, I know I've been hit hard by many people's writings. So like if I, if that's cool too, cause then you're like, well, this person gets me, you know, even though you have no idea who they are or like, I'm not alone with this thought or I'm not alone with these feelings. Like there's many people out here. So absolutely. Like I said, it's an offering, like that's, it's just, it's an offering. And I think that there's so much power in sharing our stories and sharing our words and just putting it out there because like you said, you never know what little crumb of that could be like, monumentally shifting someone else, you know? So you did, you mentioned your website, but just tell us that again and any other place that we can find you and connect with you and your work and the workshops and all the good things. Yeah. So website it's www.drhavarose.com. My Instagram, my personal, which is my most active is hava.rose. So hava.rose. There is a right echo page. So it's the right echo, right? Spelled W-R-I-T-E-E-C-H-O. Um, those are those are the best places. And for anyone that drops into the website, there is like, if you're curious about the journaling, aside from this, like you're like in Philly or virtually, they're both, but you're like, want to do a workshop, but you're not sure. There is like a freebie there. You can download, just gives you a little like context as to the power of journaling and gives you a practice essentially what would happen in the workshop. It gives you a practice prompt so you can explore it yourself. Um, but yeah, we have all of our full, it's all based in the, around the full moon. So full moon once a month, we have workshop. Um, they're on Thursday nights generally. Um, I think all of them for the rest of 2022, they're there. And so you can catch them virtually or we're, we're, you'll give us feedback if you do virtually what we can do to better the experience too. But um, we have virtual and in-person tickets. So. That is awesome. I will be sure to link in the show notes, everything that you just mentioned so everybody can easily find it. Um, And I cannot thank you enough for sharing with us today. I feel like, like I said, you dropped a lot of truthful bombs today that were really eye-opening for me. And I, I would assume for everyone else listening, and I just really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your goodness with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Good Podcast. Please like, comment, and share, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Be The Good Podcast. And remember, we can all find our own way to be the good. Thank you.